Welcome to the Our Infinite God podcast. This podcast exists to encourage the local church to right thinking and right actions by meditating on God. We believe that right understanding of our infinite God will give us a clearer picture of everything else. My name is Alex Cook. My name is Philip Long. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome you back to the Our Infinite God podcast. Today we're going to jump back into the conversation that we started with Nathaniel Perry. And if you haven't heard the first episode that we had with him, please take the time and go back and listen to that because Nate is, has been doing a great job. Uh, we've heard a little bit of his story so far, uh, his relationship with his wife, his relationship with the Lord, and, and how God connected that to missions. And, uh, and we spent some time already looking at what is missions and what does it mean for, for us to, to live for the glory of God, for the worship of God among all peoples. And so now we want to pivot the conversation to what does this mean for the local church? What does it mean for us uh, here in a local body uh, to be involved with missions? So we want to jump back in and hear from Nate. And we're glad that you joined us today on the Our Infinite God podcast. I think what you said about our, our role is so critical there, where we we use a telescope, we're trying to show people, we're trying to magnify God, we're trying to lift Him up to the point where people see Him clearly, so they go, yeah, I, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And I may jump, Alex, I may jump here our order, because I think that so, that's so connects with my, my job is, as a local pastor here in the Bible Belt is, okay, that's, that, that's, that's my goal. That's, that's what I'm called to do. Absolutely. And so I, I really want to get your perspective uh, because I think this is so important because, you you know, you did seminary like just like I did. Mm-hmm. You considered, all right, what does it mean for me to pastor here or missions there, you know? And so um, what what's, what do you think? You know, we look at the Bible. We look to look at around our churches. What, what's the role of the local church? Um, what, what if, if missions is about, uh, you know, Crossing these barriers, trying to help people who don't worship God now worship Him. Who? What are we supposed to be doing here? You know, somebody's listening to this and like, hey, I just, I just go to church here. Yeah. Well, I, I can't, I can't, you know, learn Hebrew and go to Israel right now. And sure. I'll challenge that. Maybe they should. You know. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but if okay, but what's our role? What's the role of the local church in missions? And yeah. how, how should we be involved in in missions? Yeah, I, I think you know the local church plays a key role. It plays a pivotal role in missions. Um, I, number one, just like you said, theologically, like you as a local pastor, yeah. um, you know, you, you have to be uh, pouring into the sheep here as 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 the shepherd and and, and growing them uh, and, and showing them that that missions is important. Foreign missions yeah. is what God, you know, has has commanded us to do, and uh, I think that starts with. Uh, with the pulpit, I mean, yep. magnifying God from the pulpit, magnifying Him from the from the classroom, um, showing uh, people um, this Hebrews uh, ten twenty four. I think you touched on that in your sermon last uh, Sunday. But uh, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. Yeah, you know, and spurring each other on to good works and faith. So um, number one, the church is responsible theologically for for preaching and teaching missions, um, and that's the local church pastor's job and yep. the elders there. Uh, number two, the local church, uh, it sends out missionaries. Yeah. Uh, the New Testament, there's no parachurch missions organization. Right. There's no co-op. There's no, you know, it is the local church there. You look at Acts 13, the Antioch, you know, yep. that's the first mission sending church. 
what happens there? All they do is pray and fast, and they lay their hands on Paul and Barnabas from the direction of God. God yep. said, set apart these two men for me. And they begin to pray and fast. And they said, you're right, you know, let's do it. And so Antioch is your local church, and they're, they're sending out Paul and Barnabas as their two missionaries. Yeah. Okay, so that's the formula. That's what the New Testament shows us. Yeah. Um, so we, we can chase a rabbit there, but I, I believe that the local church is the, the mission-sending organization. Absolutely. Um, and then no, number three, um, I think... Um, the local church uh, uh, cares for its missionaries. Yeah. So you look after their needs that, that they're right. sent. And um, and that's uh, you can find that in Philippians 4.15 yeah. where Paul says, And you Philippians know yourselves that in the beginning of, of, the, of my gospel work when I left Macedonia, no other church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you. Yeah. So the Philippians were actually giving him financial support. Yep. Um, you know, he did some tent making. He did some things on his own. I'm sure Antioch gave him as much as they could. And then, you know, Paul didn't live in the day of cell phones and, <laughs> yeah. and, and wire me some cat. You yeah. know, like I'm sure that went as far as it could. But as he was building the churches, you know, he needed it. He supported yep. Philippians, yep. the church at Philippi is obviously supporting him. So there's a, a precedence in the New Testament for the local church supporting its missionaries. And then, and then fourthly, I think the local church. In the in the sent missionaries that they send should aim at uh, uh, two things: making disciples and planting healthy churches that yeah, reproduce yeah. and plant Absolutely. other churches. So you want to see multiplication happen. That's the end goal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, local church is is, is everything yeah. to the missionary and to into the cause of, of Christ on mission. Um, so I, I think it's it's important that um, we as the local body, uh, you know, understand that and uh, that we're we're actively pursuing that. So I don't know the way the way I look at that is, is partnerships. Yeah. You know, as a local church, Infinity only has X amount of resources, and you don't want to take a shotgun approach and just say, "Oh, let's go to let's go to Dominican one year and Cuba one year, and then right. you know, you're or whatever." You want to take those resources and you want to partner with someone on the field that is called by the Holy Spirit. You feel comfortable with that shares your same theological beliefs, that's going to be a good team member, and uh, one that's going to create access to the gospel, you know, uh, in a place that has no access. So um, you want to be strategic with your resources, and I yeah. think that's done through partnerships, through yeah. partnerships, yeah. That's Absolutely. great. And I think that, yeah, Alex and I may fight over jumping in on this because we just want to echo that. That um, So often I feel like what happens, you know, and I have good intentions, but... Sometimes if we rely on a mission-sending organization, then we have this big gulf between the local church and the missionary on the field. It's huge. And it's just, you know, a few times a year we pray or give Mm -hmm. to just missions in general, and it's just this big thing that other people out there do, and we're grateful for them. All right, that's it. We're moving on, you know. And I think what you just described, that that, that relationship between local church and missionary, that's... That's what we see in the New Testament. Exactly. And I think that's, I mean, there's so many reasons that's healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, all the health of the missionary, the, for the sake of uh, the gospel going forth, for, yeah. this, for the sake of the purity of the, the doctrine that's being advanced. Amen. And uh, I just think that's, that is what we see in, in the Bible. Yeah. yeah, and so a couple of things I want to add uh, to that, just to support what you just said, because that's, that's so true. Um, one is the local church is supposed to support the missionary who's in those unreached, <clears throat> unengaged, hard-to-reach places, well, 
you know, I've heard like Dave Moore say, you know, so many times people say, well, all I can do now is pray. And he's like, what are you talking about? That's it. That's like yeah. the best thing you can do. <laughs> right. To yeah. talk to the God of the universe who's in control of everything. And so in so many ways, so if we have this gulf in between the missionary and the unreached place and the local church, how can we pray for them? Yeah. We need to have those partnerships Absolutely. to where we can invest in those people and support them, like it says in, would you say Philippians? Philippians 4. And then yeah. also in 3 John, it talks yes. about yeah. supporting people, yeah. specifically missionaries. That's right. And so one of the best ways we can do that is not necessarily financial, but through prayer. I just wanted to add, like, I'm glad you said gulf, because I was looking for a word, but that, that puts it in perspective, because when I was with the IMB, man, it was like, it was, it was a huge gulf. Yeah. There, was, there was no synergy and heat there, you know, that you yeah. need from a local church, so uh, it's kind of like we were just out on the island. Yeah. And, uh, wait, yay, a lot of moon, yay, once a year, you know, like, thank you for giving. The whole time we're just dying out there. Like, yeah. We needed, like, a local body to come alongside us, you know, and, and pray. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and and help us, man. You know, so uh, because the other people on the field, they're just as broke. You know, they need their local church doing right. it too, because yeah. they're just as messed up. You know, yeah. so um, I was I was reading a, a you know I love William Carey, Father of yep. Modern Missions, and man, I was just I was rereading. I forgot some of the things that happened, but he he dealt with a lot of problems. His wife was insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, his kid died. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of brokenness on the mission field. Yeah, with missionaries themselves. Yep. So. Um, just to, to tile that in, that, that gulf, you know, you need that closeness because there is a lot of brokenness on the mission. Yeah. Okay. So, Nate, mm-hmm. yeah. that leads me to this question. What's the role of a missionary? So the role of a missionary. So if we take, um, this, is, this is another funny English term that, that we've, we've created, kind of from the Latin missio, but missionary is not in the Hebrew or Greek, right? Um, what we have in, in the um, in the Greek is apostello, apostle, you know, yeah. um, which means a sent one. So uh, the role of missionary, a missionary is basically a sent one. But you got to understand, there's two two sides of that coin. Like number one, who's sending you, and number two, what are you taking with you? Yeah. Um, and uh, that's that's where you get into number one, the King of the Universe is sending us because he's called us out. He's he's particularly Sovereignly picked picked us as as believers to take his word to the nations, right? So, so we see that 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 King Jesus, uh, in all his glory and all his power and all his authority, like it says in Matthew twenty eight, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I love to think of the Great Commission as as the sovereign sandwich, right? Yeah, you've got all authority at the top, and then at the bottom, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Yeah, like, there's nowhere in between. He's not in control of everything. And so you see that the inside of that um, sandwich is, is that, you know, we're, we're, we're called to reach, we're called to see people baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we're called to uh, teach. So you see the reaching and teaching pillars of that. Um, and so a missionary is a sent out one who declares a, a message. And uh, the message that we declare in the Greek is euangelion, or to proclaim it is euangelizo. And that means you're, you're, not, you're not just telling someone it's not an invitation it's it's a declaration that something happened that's great that's yep. the most amazing news in the, the universe that even mm-hmm. angels long to look in you know? Amen. And, and and you're taking that message with the intentionality to see people born again and redeemed and discipled after that we're declaring what's already been accomplished exactly. yeah 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 and that's 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 the part about being a missionary that i love 
is that um, I was a sent out one to Israel, and um, I know that um, even though I didn't see one Jew come to come to faith, uh, the three years that I was there uh, preaching and teaching and and um, you know uh, spreading the, the gospel everywhere, um, I know that the work is finished. Mm. So uh, I cast the net, I throw the seeds out, you know. But um, but God does the saving, you know. He does. Yes. And um, and I know that that's going to be a finished product. Yeah. Um, so. That's that's what I would say. A role of a missionary is a sent out one, yeah. uh, that brings uh, declares a message. And anything we do for God, if it's if it's God's doing, it's not vain. Even if we don't see any fruit from it, yeah. If yeah. if we're doing it and God's behind it and He's empowering us to do it, it's not vain. God will accomplish His purpose. That's right. Yeah, I, I might add here just yeah Romans ten fourteen. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Mm. And that's what you're just saying about a sent one. That's that's what a missionary is, is a somebody who has been sent. Yes. Uh, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And so I think that's that's what's so powerful about sending these people out mm. as missionaries, short or long term, say, hey, you, there's a specific message. They'll never go if they're not sent. If they're not sent, they'll never preach. Nobody's going to be able to believe. So I think that does then connect us to maybe our last question here of uh, you know short-term, long-term missions. And part of the reason I want to ask you about this is because if you know, in general I think the church is undereducated on what missions is, um, but if they do have any awareness of missions, it's either what some crazy people like Nate Perry are doing out in the you know the end of the earth, or they have ex- access to a little bit of, or they've had experience with short-term missions because there there's been a boom in the last. I don't know how many were decades, three or four decades especially, huge amounts that are being spent right now, all kinds of teams being sent all over the place. Um, and they go for a short time, and I've been on a bunch of these, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm saying this from the inside. Um, but I think we're at a, a point kind of in the church where we're saying, all right, let's evaluate this. Is, is this good? Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit about how short-term and long-term missions should relate. Uh, have you seen that partnership in healthy ways, unhealthy ways, what's what's the goal there with yeah. short-term and long-term missions? So I, I think the key word that you, you mentioned uh, just in your last sentence was partnerships. You, yeah. you have to evaluate each partnership that you have. Um, and, and for me, specifically being from a, a region uh, of the world that's very unreached, yeah. I want to create partnerships with places that have little to no access of the, for the gospel. Yeah. So with that being said, um, I think you evaluate uh, these certain places of the world that have little to no access to the gospel, and then you get, you use your network and you try to find a missionary on the ground, and you start working with that missionary and you ask them what they need. You know, you you develop a relationship, um, a working relationship with a guy on the field that's been there, knows the language, knows the culture, has been there long term, that um, that really knows how to reach these people. And, yeah. and you know, there's there's all kinds of um, uh, variables on the mission field that people don't understand, uh, especially the short-term uh, trips, uh, and and I can hit on a, a couple of those. But number one is is for for us with safety. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about um, we're living in in one of the uh, most dangerous places on, on earth, where uh, Israel has been called to to be eradicated by yeah. no, another nation. No, no other nation has ever said that like yeah. in modern history. Uh, except you know World War Two with Germany and Hitler, but like 
you're living in a war zone basically and so you have short-term people coming over you you want to be strategic about how they share the gospel where they go yeah and uh and here's a good example of how a short-term trip can turn really dangerous and in a hurry but uh in israel of course you have the israeli side of the line of the u.n line then you have the the, the west bank the palestinian side uh and the palestinian side is run by um, a terrorist organization called hamas and um you know listed by the state department an yep. organization that is very you know uh dangerous uh, in, in yep. current world world affairs and um you, you got a short-term team that says hey we want to go do puppets in bethlehem you know and you're like yeah you can't do that man there there's yeah. a there's a certain danger and a certain risk that we're not willing to take uh for your for your life and the sake of the life of the missionary and his kids um and that's uh, and that's one of those things that you have to uh evaluate and you have to know before going so so i would say and it goes back to what jesus said be wise as serpents yeah innocence is mm-hmm. dumb yeah to quote you earlier <laughs> you yeah yeah no doubt and i mean there and that's that's something that missiologists are, are we're constantly talking about and juggling is um is uh, how how do you strategically do missions with short-term teams uh in dangerous places yeah um well you number one you, you create platforms so you create business platforms or, yeah. or or other platforms so you don't you don't get like um John Doe from America over over to Israel at the Wailing Wall with a bullhorn right. crying out that the second coming Christ is coming like, you know, tomorrow or something like that because that's just not gonna help at all. Right. That's gonna get him beat up and probably roughed yeah. up pretty bad and, yeah. and that's gonna hurt the missionary there. I've heard this quote, I can't remember where I heard it from. It might be in a missions book I read recently. Uh, I think that Nine Marks book, maybe. But anyway, or maybe it was, anyway, it says, uh, short-term missions should be an adrenaline shot to a marathon effort. Yeah. And so that's, good. that's, that's the way I, I, I think we should, as the local church, look about in those partnerships, not go like, okay, we're going on a vacation now and right. explore this new area we've sure. never been before, but how can we invest in these guys who are giving their lives Absolutely. To, to share the gospel when it's hard to reach places? How can we boost them to the glory of God? I don't know if you guys. I, I'll, I'll kind of turn a question on you guys yeah. and see if y'all are kind of kind of knew what happened. But um, about a year ago, uh, I think it was like November of 2018, there was a young man from Oregon, and I wrote his name down here. Oh, yeah, um, I heard about this. John John Allen Chow. He was um, a missionary um, who went to the North Cent- Sentinel Islands off of the southeast coast of India. Yeah. And he was speared to death in his kayak. Yeah. Uh, he went totally solo by himself, uh, felt felt that he wanted to, and this is an unreached, unengaged people group. Uh, and he was martyred uh, yeah. there on the shores. They um, they killed him and drove his body out of the kayak and just buried him in a shallow grave there. Yeah. Um, he did, he was able to hold up his Bible and say, God loves you in there. He somehow knew those phrases in their language or, right. you know, so, um, Part of the study of missions is, is, was that healthy? Was that right? Mm. Was that the right strategy? I mean, you know, this young man lost his life doing what he thought God had called him to do. You know, um, was that the best best strategy to do that? Now, mm. and this is a place where anthropologists, you know, they've been right. trying to get there for years. They just can't get there because it's so dangerous. So, um, I would throw that back at you guys <laughs> and say, as, as local Absolutely. leaders, what, what, 
What do you think about that? So a couple of things. One is, if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong, I think it was illegal to approach that island. The government said that there should not be any uh, outside um, um, contact. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was patrolled by like local Coast Guard and Naval forces, and he actually paid under the table some fishermen to get him out there to where he could kayak in. Okay. Um, Mm. So that's how he got to the island. So a couple of things that go through my mind, like knowing kind of that, is one is I'm sure some people maybe um, a, a few years ago when Jim Elliott died mm-hmm. was having the same conversation. Yeah. Like, was that helpful? Yeah. And we have lived, when was that? Like, that was 40s mid- or 50s maybe? Uh, Jim Elliott died in like 1956. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we have, what, 70 years, 60 years to look at mm-hmm. from that vantage point. And we can see where God has moved yeah. in tremendous ways. But at the same time, like we need to be use common sense. Mm-hmm. Like when you were talking about Nate um, going into uh, unreached areas, dangerous areas, and we need to partner with long-term missionaries so that we are wise as serpents and innocent as doves, so that we can use our common sense. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that really is what we need to exercise. And so. Um, there are times when we need to break the law mm-hmm. because like if so if if uh, I don't know tomorrow it's illegal to uh, present the gospel to anybody in the United States of America well, as a, a Christian we say no Christ is more important he's our king yeah over over whatever government he is but at the same time we need to be uh, we don't need to unnecessarily break the law as Christians because we're called to live where we're at peaceably. And so, yeah, that's, so that's well said. I mean that that's the point I haven't that, answered the question. No, you're right, yet. but that's the point of contention, right? Yeah. Like, you, you you talked about Jim Elliott and and uh, and him him and those other Nate Saint, those other three guys, those five yeah. guys spilling their blood yeah. outside of Quito, Ecuador. Because the uh, wife of Jim Elliott yeah. went and Elizabeth. lived with and those the whole, Indians. The whole tribe got saved. The whole tribe came yeah. to yeah. Christ. And so um, that's and what so, one of my friends in, in the IMB said, look, he, he wrote a blog about it saying we don't know the effects of, of John Allen Chow's martyrdom there. Right. Yeah. Tartullian and the church fathers, he said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, right? Absolutely. So, like, he might open up a door for the gospel to yeah. this lost tribe here on this, you know, deserted island, basically, yeah. you know, that we, 60 years later, we might, you know, when we're old, if we live that long, yeah. we might be saying, wow. Look so, what this did. Yeah, look what yeah. this did. So, yeah, I mean, good. Jesus, Jesus, John 12, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And the immediate fulfillment of that is his own death and resurrection and what that, the fruit it bore. But I think it was a, a type that would then, that our, we're called to take up our cross daily. Yeah. And that is a form of execution that th- yeah. this leads to our death. And so, yeah, I, I think, I guess I'll share the, the story the first time that Alex and I got together to meet with a team that was going on a short-term trip, but somebody on my team who was sending a, a teenager asked Alex, hey, is this, is where we're going safe? And Alex takes the liberty to give the, the correct theological answer that our safety is not the most important <laughs> and we should be about uh, reaching the loss. And sometimes that means laying down our lives. And we're like, hey man, you're right, Alex, but this mom just wants to know whether her high school is high school kid. Yeah. So I but I do think that is an important thing that they're they're 
this sometimes, I mean, sharing the gospel absolutely is worth our lives. And we, we have to figure out, all right, when, when is God calling me to, to that, kind of, that kind of ministry and who's he sending out for that? So, so honestly, for me to answer that question, I'm still on the fence. I don't yeah. I, I mean, uh, I think we will be forever until yeah. until we yeah. until eternity. Yeah. Unless we can see something like with Jim Elliot, but yeah. um, I think we yeah. I keep going back to that uh, wise as serpents, innocent as doves, and so uh, we could we could use that as an excuse, like well that was just foolish of him, and then we find ourselves just stay comfortably where we're at in right. South Carolina and right. never use any kind of like. Uh, put ourselves at risk whatsoever to share the gospel, and that's wrong. Sure, but then we could use him and say, "Well," and then just go be really foolish and get people killed or put yeah. people in danger. So I think yeah. we just need to be really wise mm-hmm. with yeah. it. Yeah, I like the quote from uh, Jim Elliot. Yeah. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Yeah. So uh, he really was uh, self prophesying there. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Before his, before death, but yeah, no, that's a good good answer. I just wanted to kind of throw that back on you. Guys. Yeah, that's fine. Well, I've got a, I've got one. I thought of uh, another question for you, and uh, and you can take a couple of seconds to think about it. I I want to push you for a story. Okay. Any kind of story that pops off the top of your head about Israel that you want to share with us, uh, whether good or bad, whether maybe some persecution that went on. Yeah, I can, I can, um, I can share a story. Um, and when I was sharing the gospel, so when I was in language school, um, it was at a, um, um, a a institute right on the uh, kind of the banks of the Mediterranean there, and it was really in a really nice place near all the um, foreign embassies, mm-hmm. U.S. embassy, Russian, British. They were all there, and then. Uh, my school, uh, Ulpan Gordon was the name, Ulpan meaning learning center or something in Hebrew, but um, I was there and so I naturally made friends with uh, um, the Jews that were immigrating to Israel at that time and, and I made friends with um, some people from France, Jews from France that were coming in because uh, the uh, Muslim persecution in, in Paris had gotten pretty bad and they, they were coming from Paris and I made friends with some guys from Port, uh, Portugal and Chile that were coming over uh, and immigrating to Israel. Um, so if you know the immigration laws of Israel, it's called the right of return. Um, after the founding of Israel in 1940, I think 1950, they said all Jews can come back to this land yeah. uh, if you can you know, prove that you're a Jew. So a lot of people come to Israel uh, in you know the 21st century now because of uh, Muslim persecution. Um, so that we saw a wave of immigration, a lot of people from France when I was there. And um, I got to know these these uh, young men and women really good. And um, after uh, we had class, we were all walking together down one of the main uh, streets of, of Tel Aviv, Dizengoff Street. And um, they they asked me a question. I mean, they teed it up. I mean, it was it was like a softball. They were <laughs> like they were like Nate. Um, like you said, you're a Christian. You know, like um, do you believe Jesus Christ was the Messiah of Israel? I was like, I felt like Peter in Acts 2, man. I was ready to like lay down the sermon, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And I did. I, I shared the gospel. Um, so it was on a busy street, and I had this audience of like five people in front of me. And um, I shared the gospel with them um, from man's depravity and sin uh, to, uh, to the cross, to the atonement, to the resurrection. You know, this is the full, the yeah. full, the full gambit. 
and they they listened and uh man it's just like there were blinders on their eyes they just yeah. laughed i mean I, that was the, the 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 toughest persecution i had was just people making fun you know right i mean that's probably what you'll get here in israel now we had a a colleague who was a national um who um was preaching the gospel so boldly in israel that um, Hamas put a, a bomb on his doorstep and his mm. son lost his hand because his son opened the door and reached down for, at the box mm. and it blew his arm off. Wow. Um, so there was definitely some radical persecution in Israel. It's still going on. Um, there's an active um, um, organization called, called Jews for Judaism to kind of counteract Jews for Jesus and they physically go around and persecute uh, Jewish Christians and wow. Jewish believers. Um, They'll put their, their pictures up and ostracize them. You know, they'll um, throw stones and rocks at their houses. They'll be really mean to their kids. I mean, it's, it's pretty intense. <clears throat> I know uh, I know we got to wrap up, but I remember one time you, you shared with me some of that stuff, and I just, I never pictured it because I, I grew up in um, in America where, you know, Israel's kind of our, our friend, our ally, and you don't picture this persecution among the Jews to any of the Jews who become Christians. Like you hear about it with Muslims and other parts of the world, but it's there in Israel as well. And it was just that kind of that kind of blew me away the first yeah. time I heard that. Yeah, just to kind of expound on that, that if you if you come from a, a, a traditional Jewish home or even a, a secular home, it's like you're abandoning your entire bloodline, right. your culture, everything. Right. And uh, they see you as as a, as a no one after that like you you've lost your family identity wow. and they cast you out and uh, we saw that with uh, one man who uh, came to faith and their parents uh, got one of the local rabbis a very well-respected rabbi in in, the, in Tel Aviv to come talk to him and have an intervention and uh, they told him they said if you continue down this path uh, we will cast you out of our home and the rabbi said you know you're you're no longer going to heaven you're you know you've Abandon your Jewish roots, and he did not uh, continue walking with Christ. Mm. He stayed uh, in the home. Yeah. Yeah. But we have heard stories where um, guys have left their homes, and and, and the Christian community has uh, taken care of them. So yeah, that's kind of what we were up against. That's good. Well, Nate, we really appreciate your time. I know you got family, and this is uh, you got plenty of other things to be doing right now. We appreciate you having a chance to do this. Absolutely. And uh, I think our heart is just to see more and more people with a right understanding of God and a right understanding of His calling on our life so that, just like you said from Psalm 67, the nations would, be, would, would experience this, would know this, and be able to worship Him. So I guess I'll close by quoting. We, we've, we've, we've quoted this back and forth, bits and pieces of it all night. But the Great Commission... Matthew 28, last words Jesus says in, in this gospel. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, Nate, thanks for being with us. Alex, always a pleasure. Until next time, dwell on our infinite God. Amen. Amen.